Are you a real estate investor looking to elevate your income, freedom, and lifestyle? If so, optimize your daily performance by downloading our free guide, Raising the Bar, Five Steps to Elevate Your Habits at ElevatePod.com. In this guide, created by yours truly, you'll learn why you do what you do, how to easily institute cues in your environment to trigger desired behavior, directly applicable steps to create a fulfilling future, and much more. Get your free copy now at ElevatePod.com and kickstart your new habits today. Your future self will thank you. Welcome to Elevate the masterclass where we dissect the elements of exceptional achievement and lifestyle design with a focus on personal growth and real estate investing. Now, here's your host, Tyler Chesser. Elevate Nation, welcome back. This is Tyler Chesser. I'm so thankful to have you here, and I'm blessed and grateful to be sitting with Rebecca Zung today. Today, you're going to learn about some of the negotiation tips, tactics, and strategies from one of the world's most powerful negotiators on the planet. And you're going to learn about narcissistic behavior, how you can spot that, how you can win in a negotiation, how you can negotiate your best life, you can negotiate to build your real estate empire. And you're also going to learn that, you know, not only is negotiation, the almost, you know, arguably the highest value driving active, you know, money making activity in your real estate business. Uh, but you're going to learn about how to take your approach to the next level and beyond. You're also going to learn about some mindset strategies that apply directly towards your success in negotiations and also really ultimately achieving your goals. So buckle up. Today's episode is so, so good, so tactful and so strategic. Elevate podcast is all about mindset, mind expansion and personal development for high performing real estate investors. Today's a multidisciplinary masterclass in learning from someone who has applied these strategies for household names uh, across the country and across the world. I'm your host, Tyler Chesser, and I'm a professional real estate investor and high performance coach. It is my job to decode the stories, habits, and multifaceted expertise of world-class investors and other experts to help you elevate your performance and lifestyle. Are you ready to take it to another level? It is time. Let's raise the bar today. And I want to welcome you. If it's your first time listening to Elevate, welcome. We're so thankful to have you here. If you've been here before, maybe you've been here 250 plus times. Welcome back. We're so thankful to have the opportunity to pour into your cup. The fee for listening today, whether you've been here 250 plus times or one, is to pay it forward. Grab the link, send it in a text message, email, post it on social media. Tell someone else about Elevate Podcast. That's the fee for listening. We don't ask you to pay anything. Um, we just ask that you receive massive value and pay it forward because the only way that we can continue to add value is if we are able to add value to more people. And so just like any other business, we're asking for your introductions. And those are the most powerful things. And we just want to thank you for doing that. We want to thank you for paying that fee. I also want to invite you to give us a rating review and subscribe or follow Elevate Podcast from wherever it is that you listen or watch podcasts. Um, those are very important to us. And uh, if you have 15 seconds, we would just be so thankful if you gave us a rating and review. Of course, subscribe or follow wherever it is that you're listening. And uh, man, I'm just, I'm feeling good today. I'm feeling excited. Um, this, this conversation today is really powerful. So let's dive in. I wanna introduce you to Rebecca Zung, who is a narcissism negotiation expert, popular YouTuber, more than 200,000, in fact, more than 250,000 subscribers in the last 18 months, and one of the top 1% of attorneys in the nation, having been recognized by US News and World Report 
as a best lawyer in America, as a legal elite by Trend Magazine, and recognized by her peers in the judiciary as AV preeminent rated in family law, the highest possible rating for an attorney by Martindale Hubble. She is the author of the best-selling books, Negotiate Like You Matter, The Surefire Method to Step Up and Win, which is the foreword by Robert Shapiro, and Breaking Free, a step-by-step divorce guide for achieving emotional, physical, and spiritual freedom, and is sought after major media contributor. Her perspectives are in high demand by television and print outlets as she's been featured in or on Extra, Forbes, Huffington Post, Newsweek, Time, Dr. Drew, NPR, Talk Radio, Good Day New York, and CBS Los Angeles, as well as others. Now based in Los Angeles, she is continuing to serve through her very popular YouTube channel, media appearances, podcasts, articles, and on-demand programs such as Slay Your Negotiation with a Narcissist and Breaking Free Divorce Masterclasses. Today, this is so valuable, and um, what we have for you today is directly applicable for your real estate business. It's directly applicable for the way that you're designing your life, and I'm so excited to bring this to you. So without further ado, please enjoy this amazing episode with Rebecca Zung. Rebecca Zung, welcome to Elevate. How are you? I'm great. Thank you. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. I'm excited about our conversation today. I know it's going to be valuable. In fact, I was thinking about um, sort of your expertise, your background, as I was preparing for this episode. And I'm thinking, you know what, this is some of the highest value activity that we can engage in, especially as investors, entrepreneurs, is optimizing our negotiation. So I'm excited about your expertise. I'm excited about, you know, the way that you've dedicated your life. But uh, before we dive into that, I love to connect to the human being before we dive into concepts as we were talking about before we started recording this episode. So Rebecca, if you were to describe yourself in the way that the people who know you best would describe you, maybe it's family members, maybe it's really close friends, people that you've known for decades, what would they say about Rebecca Zone? Hmm. Definitely family first, um, probably very driven. Uh, I always joke that I'm half Chinese and half German, which means that I have, you know, no fun genes whatsoever, but that's definitely <laughs> not true. <laughs> but, you know, I'm very much, you know, a driven person, but very empathic, family first, for sure. My kids come first, my husband. Um, But, um, you know, I've always been definitely um, very focused person uh, as well. And, um, you know, I, I would say that that's pretty much it in a nutshell. If you were to add some more context to that and kind of describe a bit of your upbringing, maybe a little bit of your backstory in terms of how those factors came to be in terms of your personality and who you are today, um, give us a sense of what your upbringing looked like and a bit of your backstory. Uh, Let's see. I have, um, my dad was Chinese. My mom's German. My dad's was a doctor. My mom was a nurse initially, but then she went into real estate, became a very successful entrepreneur. She had her own real estate company. Um, And I have a brother, younger brother, but, you know, my dad's family, both my mom and my dad's family were pretty successful people, but, you know, 
both kind of came from nothing. Both of them were, were immigrants. And I think, you know, that that had a lot of impact, you know, where the people who came from nothing came over to this country with basically the clothes on their back and work their way up. You know, my dad's family came here from China and they had nothing, but, you know, became very educated people. My dad went to Columbia, became a doctor, you know, but they came over on a boat from China, you know, I mean, so um, I think that, I think that all, you know, that has a lot of impact on who you become as a person. And, um, you know, I think education is very important. My, my, my dad's family is very, very close. My cousins, I have a very large extended Chinese family, uh, but my cousins are like siblings. You know, my, my one cousin always says that they sort of recreated the, the Chinese compound, but, um, you know, but we didn't grow up in a compound, but sort of did, you know, we were all expected to stick together and take care of each other. And, um, you know, my husband's an only child. And one of the funniest things that I, one of my cousins actually said to my husband was, did you know, when you married her, that you were getting all of us, you know, like, (laughs) (laughs) it was sort of like, um, a big, um, um, clan of us, but, um, you know, I just, I, I love that that's how we are, you know, but, um, definitely a lot of love, but also a lot of expectation. And, um, I think in in a lot of ways that that's a good thing. Um, and, um, you know, so I think that that definitely had a lot of impact on how I was raised. So, you know, I think that, but, you know, but then I, I also sort of rebelled against that in a lot of ways, you know, I graduated second in my class from high school, but then I got married at 19 and I dropped out of college and I had three kids by the time I was 23. Then I got divorced and in, in my early twenties and I ended up uh, as a single mom, I went, you know, I finished college and I, and then I, I had to, I went back to law school at night and I was, you know, I really definitely took the hard way in my life. At, so, you know, there I was as a single mom trying to finish law school and with three little babies. And so here I was in my twenties, you know, trying to pull myself up by my bootstraps. And I went to law school a hundred percent on student loans and with three little kids. And I was just trying to put a roof over our heads and um, feed them and survive basically. So I ended up getting a job with a family law attorney who also happened to be half Chinese, who had had three children and had been divorced. And she, you know, she was older than I was, but it was kind of a twilight zone sort of kismet thing that I ended up working for her. She had 
happened to be one of the top family law attorneys in the country. And I thought I was wanted to be in business law or do something with business. And she convinced me that her cases were so big that they were sort of business like related. And that's how I ended up kind of coming up through the ranks as a high net worth family law attorney originally. So I actually started working for her while I was still in law school. And that's that, you know, that's kind of how my journey started as an attorney. Um, that, uh, you know, it was kind of crazy that I met this woman who also happened to be half Chinese and, and her dad had been a doctor and her, wow. it was like, it was this whole crazy thing. You know, her dad actually had also been a, uh, an anesthesiologist. Her mom had been an operating room nurse and that's how her parents met. It was like so crazy. Like it was like my life, it was her life, but she was like, um, I don't know, 10 or 15 years older than I was. And, you know, it was like this crazy thing. So it was just so meant to be right. It's like you were and looking in the, in the mirror in your own future, like 15 years down the road. Exactly. So I ended up working for her and kind of coming up through the ranks. And then I ended up um, eventually starting my own firm and uh, published my first book, Breaking Free, a step-by-step -step divorce guide. And that's when I started to do some television work and started to do some, you know, that's when um, you know, TMZ and some of these television shows started calling upon me to do some uh, commentating on celebrity divorces, you know, and um, that's uh, kind of the beginning of when I started to do a little bit of media. Um, and in 2017, uh, I just... I had reached really the pinnacle of my career. I already had really attained every award and recognition that an attorney could get as far as that goes. I was U.S. News Best Lawyers in America and AV rated by Martindale Hubble and Evo rated 10 out of 10. And like I had represented billionaires and celebrities and I had the top family law practice and really pretty much everything that I wanted. And the practice was basically eating me alive. And I had, my daughter was just starting high school and I just really wanted something more for my life. I really wanted to be more creative and I wanted to do other things. And I just, I, I just didn't want to keep just doing the same thing day in and day out. And so <clears throat> I just decided to merge my practice with two other guys and just do something else. And so <clears throat> I did that and um, I didn't really know what the next step was going to be at that point, but I just knew it was going to be something else. Um, and um, I, I engaged in some other entrepreneurial activities at that point. And um, one of them happened to be with a woman who turned out to be a covert narcissist, unfortunately, or fortunately, however you want to look at it, 
You know, I believe things happen for us and not to us. Absolutely. I mean, I look back on your story, just a quick comment here. This is beautiful because, you know, looking back, it's like we can see the litter of gifts and all these challenges, right? I can see it now when I think about sort of where you are now, the the value that you're bringing now, the practice that you have, the lifestyle that you've designed. And I think about, you know, obviously having three kids at such a young age, being that rebellious individual, divorcing early, being a single mom of three kids, going to law school at night, doing all these things, um, doing living life the hard way in many regards, and I'm using your words, um, the gifts that have now resulted, and then thinking back towards sort of fast forwarding towards uh, partnering with a narcissist, and the gifts I'm sure that you've received in that circumstance, obviously did not feel like gifts in the moment, but which have created this expertise that now you've developed. At what point did you realize the tremendous power of negotiation? Was it in law school? Was it negotiating on behalf of, uh, you know, some of these billionaire celebrity clients that you were representing from a family practice perspective? Or at what point did it really click to you how powerful negotiation was? And I want to dive into some of this other stuff as well, but I'm curious about that. Yeah. Um, and, and I should mention by the way, that I met my current husband in law school and I uh, have been happily married for 22 years and uh, we do have a 19-year-old daughter together. Um, Look at that. So, there, so I, we have another happy ending story as well. So I like yeah. that. Um, so I actually started lecturing on negotiation about 17 years ago or so. I mean, I actually had started lecturing on negotiation as a way to develop my practice because I knew that nobody wanted to hear about divorce. And in order to develop my practice, I, I, I needed to come up with something to lecture on. And so I thought, okay, well, what is something that I could speak to, you know, local rotaries about or associations or something like that. And that was something that I knew that I could speak on. And so, so that was, that was kind of how I really sort of started talking about negotiation. And, and, you know, honestly, what better way? I mean, I've only ever practiced in the high net worth family law realm, and there's no more better proving ground than that. Because, you know, when you're dealing with billionaires and celebrities, it, and they're dealing with their money and their children, there, there, there's nothing that's, that's, more emotional than that, or, or, or more high stakes than that. When you're dealing with, I, I mean, there's every kind of law involved for one thing, it's business law, it's estate planning law, it's trust mm -hmm. law, it's, it's every kind of law is involved for one thing. And by the way, you know, when I was practicing in, in Naples, Florida, which is the most millionaires per capita in the country. And 
even if people don't actually live there, they they say that they're residents there. And um, because Florida, you know, doesn't have any income tax. So, you know, everybody has homes there and which means they have to get divorced there because they are quote unquote residents there. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we, and, and as you know, the top family law practice there, I represented, you know, a lot of different people there. So, you know, we, we had clients that, you know, a lot of names that you would definitely recognize, Mm -hmm. um, even if they don't necessarily live there, you know, um, so, you know, it it was, it was a very, very interesting practice to say the least for sure. I'm sure. And I think about, um, our conversation today, I'm, I'm excited about it because there's a multidisciplinary learning aspect of this discussion. When I think of, okay, high stakes negotiation, when it comes to divorce from a high net worth family perspective, I think we can apply that towards negotiating our best life. We can apply that towards building our empire. We can apply that towards acquisitions, dispositions, structuring deals, whether it's with equity, whether, whether it's with debt partners. I mean, it's, it's so valuable and I'm so excited about this. Um, and I do every kind of law was involved. I I mean, you know, they would have real estate holdings in multiple areas, multiple countries, many, many different areas. I mean, all over the place. And and I don't practice anymore, by the way, because obviously, you know, now I have, um, you know, a, a total um, what they call S-A-A-S business now. And I have, um, you know, digital courses and YouTube and, you know, that's what I mean. I actually still am a partner in a in a firm, but I don't practice at all anymore. But um, yeah. Well, thank you for that. And and your background lends itself so well towards the education aspect. And, and I think that's where we arrived to this discussion today. Uh, you mentioned partnering with a narcissist, and I'm sure there's been so many lessons learned there. Um, but I think it would be instructive if we talked a little bit about personality traits of a narcissist, how to spot that, what that means when you have that on your hands, whether it's in a negotiation or just dealing with someone else. So maybe let's start there. And I want to dive into some of the tips, tactics, strategies um, for, you know, optimizing your negotiation approach. But let's start there with the narcissism. And uh, what, how can you spot a narcissist? Like, what are some of the things you look for? So they start off the same way regardless of it, it, whether they're a covert narcissist or an overt narcissist, which really the only difference is that an overt narcissist is more sort of in your face, you know, I'm so great, I look at me, I'm, you know, more of a holding court kind of a person. Whereas is there a person, like a type, an example of a public person that fits that image? Well, you know, a Donald Trump kind of a person is a much more of a overt narcissist and okay. and, he'll, and he will come right out and say, I'm a narcissist. And I, mm-hmm. you know, he's pretty proud of that. I mean, I think he even said that in one of his books. So, you know, I don't think I'm saying anything that's besmirching him in any way or anything sure. like that, you know, so 
I, I know I try to stay apolitical. So of know. course. Um, but um, well, and by the way, we're not saying this is good or bad. I mean, I think one of the right. things I think about um, Rich Devaney, who I bring up time and time again, the the Navy SEAL commander, he wrote a book called The Attributes. And one of the attributes that he talks about is narcissism. Narcissism can serve you. And so it's we're not saying this is good or bad. And in some aspects, it may feel good or bad, but we're just observing this personality trait. Would you agree to that? Right. I mean, you know, it's obviously not a good thing when it's hurtful to people, though. I mean, Fair. Um, you know, but so I and it can be very, very hurtful to people. Right. So um, so the the covert narcissist is much more under the radar, you know, that and, and to me, it's a much more stealthy type of narcissist, because this is a person who appears very kind on the surface, much more humble on the surface. Mm -hmm. But they both start off the same way, which is much, they, they start off very love bomb kind of a thing where they, they come off right away, very charming, right away, um, very charismatic and they they do both really try to rush the relationship and uh, they want to get to the next step as quickly as possible mm -hmm. so that that's generally a red flag um, you know there there's a joke that says you know nobody um uh, wants to, um, something like nobody falls in love faster than a narcissist who needs a place to live. Oh, wow. Something like that, you know? So, you know, it's like they really do rush the relationship and, um, and that, and that actually pretty much happened in the, the business relationship that I had, you know, where I'm just thinking of, I can picture several people in my network who this fits and I'm sure the listeners are seeing that themselves and, you know, maybe that's right or wrong, but, you know, please continue. Cause I think this is really interesting the way that you're describing this as the covert narcissist, right? Right. I mean, so right away they want to get into business with you right away. They want to move in with you right away. They're talking about marriage or right away. They're talking about, the next step in your relationship immediately, um, you know, and, and they seem perfect for you right away, whether it's a business relationship or a friendship or a, uh, or, or, you know, it doesn't have to be a romantic relationship, you know, and you're wondering where has this person been all my life? Oh my gosh, they seem amazing. And they're very, very good at reading people. I mean, they've studied people all of their lives. So they know how to be very chameleon-like and look like the really perfect person for you. So at the beginning, they, they know how to look like whatever it is that you want them to seem like. 
So, you know, right away, you're like, oh my gosh, this person seems amazing. Like the perfect business partner or the perfect friend or the perfect boyfriend or girlfriend or whoever it is. Mm -hmm. And, and, and so the reason why they want to rush the relationship is because they can't seem this perfect for very long. It's not going to last very long, you know? And so they want to lock themselves in before you sort of figure out that they're not who they say they are, or they're not that perfect, or they're not that wonderful, and that that they get themselves ensconced into whatever it is. So they're rushing it, you know, to meet your kids right away, or to get you locked into whatever the business arrangement is, or or get their name on whatever it is, you know, as soon as possible before you have a chance to back out. And then, and then, you know, once you start to see those red flags, then a lot of times you start to go, well, you know, do I say something now? Because, well, now I've already gotten this far. Now I've already put their name on the business card, or now I've already introduced them to my family, or now I've already, you know, and so you start to go, well, should I say anything at this point? Or, and, and sometimes the red flags are in such a way that you think, well, mm, if I say anything about that, does that make me a bad person? Because a lot of times they pick people who are empathetic people or empathic people who are mm -hmm. nice people who aren't or overly polite people who aren't necessarily going to say something who wouldn't, you know, don't want to say something, you know, and, or, or if you do, they immediately have an explanation for it. And you think, well, okay. And, you know, you don't really love the explanation, but you kind of go along with it. Mm -hmm. And then it makes sense to your head, but not your heart or your gut, right? Right. And so you go, okay. And then you do go along with it. And then there it is now you're, you know, and, and now you're six months more into it or mm -hmm. another year into it. And, and, and now you're more into it and you, and, and, and you don't love it even more, but now you're really digger, you know, you've dug deeper into mm -hmm. it. And, um, and so it, and, and, and so that's kind of how it ends up going. Is it important to spot this because of the fact that these type of people typically will take advantage of you or empathetic individuals or what else, why else is it important to be able to spot this ahead of time? Well, a hundred percent, they will take advantage of you and they'll take advantage of how nice you are. And they know they're taking advantage of how nice you are. And, and so they're conditioning you from the beginning, they're conditioning and they're testing you from the beginning. They're testing to see if you are going to be a good form of supply from the beginning. I mean, the way they call it narcissistic supply um, and they, they test to see 
oh, look, did I get away with that? I, I did this thing to you. And how did you respond to that? How did you react to that? Oh, I got away with that. Good. Look, I am, they are going to be a good source of supply for me. So what is that supply and what is it that they're looking to receive? So narcissistic supply is any, is, is, you know, what, what feeds their ego. Right. So, and that's what they're looking for. And you know, so if they got away with that, then they go, okay, look, I got away with it. And, you know, so now I can see that they're going to be a good form of supply for me. You know, so it's more of a psychological feeling that they're receiving. Maybe it's subconscious or are they aware of this? Are they aware that they're actually taking advantage of someone else? I mean, what, what, what's your take on that? I know it's kind of a deep well, question. I think it's both. I think it's both. But, you know, like if they, for example, if they start to ghost you a little bit, like, you know, um, you, you know, they've love bombed you, love bombed you, love bombed you. And now all of a sudden they decide they're not going to respond to your text messages right away. Mm -hmm. And they, they, they ghost you for a day. Well, then and they can feel that they're pulling you back in because you're like, well, wait a minute, where's that love? Where's the love that you were showing me before? Right. right? Right. Oh, how come you didn't respond to my text messages all day long or whatever? And mm -hmm. they go, oh, my God, you're so clingy or whatever. Now, all of a sudden, you're so clingy and you're so this and you're so that. And you're like, oh, my God, how come you're so hot and cold or whatever? Mm. And 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 the fact that you now are are are, are begging them to respond or whatever. Now they see that you are wanting that right and so they they're going okay look i i've gotten them to want me i've gotten them to so now i see that their the conditioning is working right and so i see that they're going to be a good form of supply rather than they were just like oh forget you you didn't you didn't respond i don't you know i don't need you so give me a sense of when you think about negotiating with a narcissist, because in many sense, I'm thinking it's like, okay, let's try to avoid, avoid these type of people as much as possible. Don't get taken advantage of them or from them, you know, in a personal sense and in a professional sense. Uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that, but I'd also love to hear your thoughts of, all right, if we're approaching a negotiation with an individual who is exhibiting these behaviors that you're describing, and maybe they're not in the exact sense of what you just described, but you can kind of see it and you can read it from a high level. If you're approaching a negotiation with an individual like this who is looking for their ego to be fed, um, should you feed it uh, to be able to, you know, pull some leverage or what would you what would you say there? Well, I think that there's a couple of different ways that you can approach it. So when you're negotiating with them, there's a couple of things that you have to keep in mind. One is that you always have to keep in mind this, the idea of supply. So that I talked to you a little bit about this narcissistic supply thing. Mm -hmm. um, and there, there, there's an, a number of things that people get wrong about narcissists when they think about negotiating. First of all, people think that narcissists just want to win. 
and they think, oh, they, they just want to win. So let me just give them what they want and then I can be done with this thing. A lot of times people think that. Or a lot of times people think, oh, you just can't negotiate with them. So why should you even bother? Sometimes people think that. Both things are wrong, by the way. Um, a lot, and a lot of times people think, oh, let's just try to negotiate with them like you do reasonable people. Let's try, uh, you know, sending letters back and forth uh, for settlement purposes, or let's try tactical empathy or, you know, the things that you normally think about with negotiating. None of that works with, with narcissists. You always have to keep in mind the idea of narcissistic supply. And the other thing you have to remember is that there's a hierarchy of supply. So here's how it goes. So with narcissists, there is something that I call diamond level supply. Diamond level supply to a narcissist is always how they look. You know, the window dressing, you know, and that's the most important thing. They will protect that at all costs. That is, you know, the, 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 the one they will, they will die for that, you know, how they look. And then there's something that I call coal level supply. It, it, it burns, it gives them oxygen, you know, it's good also. And they, they definitely want that too, um, but it's lesser. And that is the, what I call the dark underbelly of supply, which is like the devaluing people, controlling people, debasing people, um, you know, making people squirm, intimidating people. That also is very good as well, but it is not as good as how they look. So you have to keep both kinds of supply in mind when you are thinking about negotiating with them. So, but the thing that people always forget is that there's both. So when people go, oh, they just want to win. What is it that they want? I'll just give it to them. They're only thinking of the diamond level supply. They're forgetting about the coal level supply. And so what happens is they give in and they start at the beginning. They go, I'll just give them this. And then so the narcissist will just take that. And that, that just goes into the black hole. They don't even think about it. They just take it and whatever. Um, and they, but then, then they can't figure out why the narcissist is still driving them absolutely crazy. Well, that's because they enjoy the process of manipulating them making them squirm, driving them crazy. Oh, well, oh, because they're still getting supply out of, you know, you know, um, that coal level supply, right? Mm -hmm. So I always say to people, you have to figure out some form of strategy and leverage, which is my slay methodology that is going to, you know, what's going to potentially, what are you going to do 
to threaten some form of supply that's going to be more important for them to keep than the supply that they get from jerking you around. I mean, and, and threaten to expose that. Because if you can't figure that out, then they're never going to leave you alone. Mm. So it's almost call out the need for supply. It's always going to be. They're like rats in a maze. I love it. I mean, it. They're, they're actually, while they're horrible and heinous to deal with, they're actually very simple to understand. I almost think about this, um, this thought process that, that an enemy hiding in the dark is more powerful than one that's hiding in plain sight. And it's like when you shine the flashlight on a rat, it scurries, it's scared, it's terrified. You can't see it, you can hear it. It's like, oh my God, it has so much power over me. Um, and this seems similar. Um, would you agree to that? Yeah, they're actually way more afraid of you than you are of them. Hmm. But you just have to understand how they think and how they operate. Um, and so once you figure that out, um, and you just have to create some form of leverage um, and and use strategy. And that's, you know, I call it my slay methodology. And, the you know, and, and I always say the best defense is always a good offense, right? You know, I always say the best football teams, if all they have is a good defense, nobody's scoring any points, right? So you have to have a really good offense, but you know, you, you almost have to build an invisible fence and then kind of spring it on them and then, you know, let them know that, um, like, this is how it's going to be. And then, you know, kind of give them their options and just say, okay, this is how it's going to be. You choose option A, um, and, or, or B, and then, you know, if you choose option A, then, you know, this is how it's going to go for you, or, or you can choose B, you, you know, in other words, if you don't choose A, then B is going to happen and you're going to get exposed. I mean, I call it ethically manipulating the manipulator. And um, I mean, it, it, it's, it sounds uh, harsh, but it's the only way it works. Hey guys, just a quick word from our sponsor, then we'll be right back to the show. This episode of Elevate is brought to you by CF Capital, a national real estate investment firm founded by myself and my business partner, Brian Flaherty. CF Capital's mission is to provide property investment and asset management solutions to help investors like you maximize their returns by investing in high value multifamily communities. If you are looking for risk adjusted alternative investments in quality apartment communities, are seeking tax optimized cash flow with appreciation upside without all the hassles of management, you might benefit from learning more about investing alongside our team. You're invited to reach out and learn more about how you can invest with us by visiting cfcapllc.com. We're also currently offering a free ebook called The Bottom Line. 10 ways to increase cash flow in an apartment complex. Whether you're a new or experienced investor, we're confident you'll find massive value in this resource. So go get your free copy today at cfcapllc.com. And now please enjoy the rest of the show. Hey guys, my friend Damian Lupo just informed me that checkbook IRAs have been made illegal by the U.S. tax court. 
That means if you have a checkbook IRA, your holdings are now disqualified. That means taxes and penalties of up to 50% or more. Don't panic. Damien and the EQRP company can fix this. Lucky for you, those IRAs can be converted into EQRPs. Plus, you can do this retroactive to the last year, getting tax deductions and reducing your taxable income from last year. Want to invest your 401k or IRA in real estate, Bitcoin, gold, or even your own business? You can. Whether you're a full-time investor, retired, a dentist with dozens of employees, if you're listening, you qualify. The EQRP works and is your secret weapon. And now it's retroactive. They have your solution. By the way, if you got bad advice and use an IRA for an apartment syndication, you are sitting on a UBIT time bomb. But don't worry, there's a solution, the EQRP. The EQRP company is ready to help you get control of your money, kill UBIT, and help you pay way less taxes. Want to learn more about this strategy? Simply text the word ELEVATE to 307-213-3475 for Damien's brand new 2022 EQRP special report. Paying tax or letting Wall Street suck you dry is dumb. Your first step is freeing your retirement money by sending a text to 307-213-3475 with the word elevate. I think you have to be tough. I mean, um, you know, either be tough or be taken advantage of. And what's more worthwhile? Obviously, let's be tough. What I mean, I'm curious, you know what the percentage of individuals in common population fall in this category and then what percentage of these individuals fall in sort of the high net worth category? Because I would imagine maybe it's a higher percentage uh, in the latter. But the reason why I ask that is because I think about like the real estate industry, if like if people are building a real estate empire, they're encountering uncontrollable egos in many, many ways in on every day, really. And I think about so many individuals that we've encountered recently that fit the mold of what you're describing. So first of all, how many people or what percentage of the population fits in this category? And then I don't know if you know that, but from the higher net worth uh, category as well. You know, I've seen statistics that say you know, one in 10 are narcissistic or have narcissistic traits or tendencies or just simply lack of conscience. Um, and I've seen statistics that say up to 16% as well. I don't know. I mean, I don't think that these are people that sit around taking these personality tests either, sure. you know, either. So, and, and I certainly don't know as far as, you know, high net worth individuals or whatever. I, you know, I, I, I don't know that anybody really knows, but I do know that I've also seen statistics that say that, you know, if it's one in 10, if each one of those people um, narcissistically abuses just five people in their lifetimes, then that ends up being 3.4 billion people, which is, you know, almost half the population. Yeah. I mean, so uh, basically nobody escapes being bumping up against one of these people. <laughs> Fair enough. What are, yeah. when, when I zoom into some tactics, some, some strategies, some approaches, um, whether you're dealing with someone who's narcissistic or otherwise, when I think about negotiating, I would love to get your input on some powerful questions, some powerful words, some powerful phrases that uh, real estate investors or otherwise who want to utilize negotiation to the power that it has the possibility to be for them. Are there any phrases, questions, words that you might suggest to uh, add to your arsenal? 
Well, one of the things that I suggest that people do, uh, and it's not necessarily, uh, it's just a, a, a tactic that I suggest that people use, and that is what I call narcissistic bartering. And I, 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 one of the ways that I tell people to remember it is I call it fluff for favor, vomit later. And it's just, it's a way to ethically manipulate the manipulators, the way I say it. And it's basically at giving them something of what they want so that you can kind of get something that you want in return. And that is giving them a little bit of adulation so that you can get something that you want in return. So, you know, uh, can you, you know, do the QuickBooks? So you're so much better at it than I am. And it would be done so much more efficiently and, and quickly, um, you know, if you did it. Uh, something like that, you know, so uh, then if I did, I'm, I'm terrible at it, something like that, you know, so because that way you get something that you want and then they get something that they want, which is the compliments, the adulation. And, uh, you know, so I call it fluff for favor, vomit later, because, you know, if you need to go shower or vomit later, then go ahead. And, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, I don't want to have to do that. I can't stand them or whatever. But hey, you know, you use it sparingly and strategically. And it's a means to the end, right? Exactly. Exactly. What other tools or, or tips or strategies do you suggest for folks who are wanting to, you know, say they're in the middle of a negotiation and they're, they recognize that for them to get what they want or for them to achieve the outcomes that they are intentional on achieving, they need to gain leverage. Are there any suggestions that you might have for folks? And I know it's a general question. Maybe you could give a specific example of, of an, an example, a situation where you were able to, to gain leverage on behalf of a client or yourself, but is there any strategies that you might suggest for folks in the middle of a negotiation? Yeah, I mean, I, I do say a lot of times give them a rope to hang themselves. I mean, a lot of times people don't want to give them opportunities to hang themselves. But I say give them opportunities to hang themselves because they do lie. They are pathological liars. And when you do give them opportunities to, you know, you know, lie, they do. And use that against them because you, you can definitely use that. How do you and do that? How do you use that against them? I create summaries. I create exhibits. I create, you know, especially if you're in litigation, uh, you can create summaries of lies and inconsistent statements. You can say, you know, on, August 7th, they said this in a text message. And on June 6th, they said this in a text message, mm -hmm. tab one, and um, you know, this and this, they said this, this tab two. And, you know, one of the things that they don't expect that you're going to do 
is go back through all that stuff and line it all up together and put it in a summary form. And that is super powerful. I like that. And that makes a lot of sense, especially from a legal perspective. Um, if you're in a battle or, you know, let's say you've got some sort of a, a lawsuit that you're dealing with, that makes a ton of sense. When I think about the other side of it, uh, prior to perhaps a legal battle, if you're trying to obtain, let's just say you're making a, an acquisition for a deal and you've got somebody who's clearly a narcissist, uh, somebody who's clearly lying, there's a lot of inconsistencies. I think about the summary perspective as, okay, look, buddy, I'm kind of calling you out here. And I, I see where you're trying to, um, you know, pull the curtain, uh, or sort of, you know, pull the curtain over our eyes. And so we see that, uh, just so you know, we're not going to be taken advantage of. Is there anything else that is accomplished in that circumstance, uh, that you'd point to as far as a summary goes and kind of pointing that out? Or what else would you say about that? I just think that, you know, you, your word is always going to be something that is uh, relevant, you know, in whatever realm you're in, <laughs> you know, if you can be shown to be a liar, I, I think that it's always going to be relevant. And so if you can pull together some kind of summary that shows that somebody is a liar, or, or has inconsistent statements, that's always going to be relevant. That makes sense. Yeah, I think about, so the, to the point of the question is leverage. And when you start to identify that, you make a case for gaining that leverage. And there's a lot of logic behind that. Thinking back to some of your toughest negotiations, if you were to kind of picture some of these circumstances, maybe there's one that comes to mind. Walk us through what that looked like, how you were able to kind of navigate yourself or your client or the situation out of a, a challenging situation where perhaps it seemed like maybe you were getting to be on the losing end of the spectrum to uh, more of a triumphant side. Is there anything that comes to mind, Rebecca? Oh, my goodness. There's so many. But I'll tell you, the, the biggest thing is your mindset. The biggest thing is your mindset. I mean, I had a case with a guy who, I mean, it was, his wife was just, I mean, it was his wife and his own mother were basically framing him for all sorts of things. And I mean, his, his mother was a huge narcissist. I mean, absolutely one of the worst, most malignant narcissists on the planet. And I, he just really was about ready to give up. And I just told him, you know, if you don't believe that you can win, I certainly can't help you. And, you know, one of my best friends, you know, she always has this statement and she's a, a, a physician and, you know, she'll say to her clients, you know, do you want to be right about that? Or would you like to change it? And, you know, I mean, I, I just remember basically saying something like that to him, you know, and so, you know, your mindset makes such a huge difference. And, and, and so I re just remember, you know, he was like, basically wanted to give up and, and I, I just said, okay, fine. You know, if you want a different lawyer, just let me know 
where you'd like where you'd like me to send your file because I mean at the time I just I had so many clients and I just thought I, that's fine with me you know let me know where to send your file um you know fine and he can was I make like, a quick comment on that I love that first of all and it's almost like what they talked about in getting to yes um it's the batna the best alternative to a negotiated agreement. And what happens is there's this feeling of, you know what, go for it. I don't, you know, that's, that's on you. If you want to go somewhere, uh, I'm good with that and go ahead and let me know how you want me to release this agreement because we're, you know, we, it sounds like we are on two different playing fields and it's like, Oh, wait, 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 wait a minute. Wait a minute. Uh, I like that a lot. Thank you for that. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, if you would like a different lawyer, let me know where to send your file. Fine. <laughs> And um, so and and he had left to go to New York, you know, for New Year's Eve. I just remember like saying to him, just let me know where to send your file. And um, and he was like, oh, no, 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 no. You know, and um, so he comes back and, he, you know, begs me to keep his case, whatever. And I was like, I'm not keeping your case if you think you're going to lose, because if you don't think you can win, I certainly can't help you. And, um, you know, because I. If I can't help you if you think you're going to lose because you have to believe you're going to win. And um, and so uh, basically, you know, had this whole come to Jesus conversation with him. And um, we ended up turning his whole case around completely. And uh, he ended up with, you know, full custody of his kids and everything. I mean, it, it was a, a massive, huge battle. But um you know, I mean, he ended up like wrongfully, you know, in jail and all kinds of crazy stuff. I mean, that case ended up, it could be, you know, a, a mini series of its own, seriously. But wow. um, yeah, but regardless, we ended up getting him full custody. So I, I have to say, 99% of any negotiation is your mindset. It, you know, you, you have to believe that you can win. There it is again, this mindset thing. And it comes up so frequently. It's your belief in what you're doing. It's a belief in yourself. It's your belief in the commitment to the outcome that you are working towards. And it's, gosh, it's so relevant. I'm so glad you brought that up. And um, this is such a fun, enlightening conversation. I want to, uh, I want to transition to a rapid fire section of the podcast. And I wish that we weren't because I'd love to continue this and I'd love to continue to delve into your expertise. But I know that uh, we'll, we'll allude to where the audience can find more of uh, your expertise here, which we've kind of, you know, really almost wet our beak or we've dipped our toe in uh, just a little bit into uh, to your world. And it's been a lot of fun. But I want to transition into the rapid fire section. It's called the rare air questionnaire. It's all about being uncommon. I think um, the approach that you've really outlined for us today is an uncommon approach. The The common approach is, uh, you know, let's just figure it out. Uh, let's just shoot from the hip. But what we're talking about is strategic thought process. It's, it's understanding of psychology. It's diving deep. It's also understanding where is our mindset and how does that approach towards winning, whether it's in a negotiation or accomplishing your goals. And I'd love to ask you a few questions. You've got a beautiful bookshelf behind you. If you had to point to two or three of the most impactful books that you've read over the past few years, what would those be and why? I would say Seed of the Soul by Gary Zukoff. Just knowing that we have a soul, just knowing that 
we have intention that we can create our intentions that we can that we live in a quantum field that yes. we can that we are energy that we are vibrational energy and that we can that we're beings of energy and that we can create whatever we would like from that quantum field and and meeting Gary Zukoff in person and um, knowing who he is as a person as well uh, and getting to interview him then as well. He's had a lot of impact on my life. Uh, I just adore him. It so, makes me think of um, what you were just talking about and the belief in winning. You want to tap into the quantum field or you want to tap into the world of infinite possibilities that do exist. It starts with that belief. Would you agree? Absolutely. I mean, I, I, I just, it's just incredible to me that I actually got to read the book and then I got to realize meeting him in person. And then I got to realize interviewing him. It was just really, really powerful. Yeah, know? 100%. So, I love that. Yeah. Are there any other books that have been really impactful for you over the past few years? Oh, gosh. I mean, I'm sure that there are so many, but uh, just trying to think which other ones I wanted to like definitely mention. Um, I know it's always hard for me too whenever someone asks me this question because it's like there's so many. And in fact, it's interesting how the thoughts or our worldview can be shaped by books and by reading. And like, there's so many different things. It's like, Oh, I got this from that, or I got this thought process or, you know, it just shapes the way that you interact with your reality. But I know it's a challenging question, which is why I almost always cringe when I ask it, but I'll invite you to take a stab at it. Yeah. I mean, I've read so many that I mean, I actually, I just finished reading, and this is probably going to be seem really out of left field, but I actually just finished reading Will Smith's autobiography. Oh, interesting. I've heard it good was, things. It was very good. Very, very good. And it was, it was very different than what you may think. I learned a lot from it, not just about him, but just, uh, you know, he applied a lot of it to life in general and the and and just life lessons i highly recommend it actually I, I i was listening to it and i went back and bought the hard copy because i wanted to actually highlight a lot of different things that he said and just remember a lot of the quotes in it i just thought it was really really fantastic i think there's so much to be learned from biographies and um you know you just learn from the triumphs the tribulations the way that they were thinking during certain times of their life. And it's it's powerful for us to understand the arc of a life. And, and of course, Will Smith hopefully has many years continually ahead of him. And but we can see the arc of sort of his experience so far. And we can learn about that in terms of how does our experience relate? What decisions are we making now that may, you know, be similar? And you can see how things play out. You know, I think about some of the most exciting biographies that I've ever read, one of which was Ben Franklin, um, you know, Walter Isaacson. Walter Isaacson also wrote a book uh, on Steve Jobs, which was like, oh, oh my was, God, my, just that mind was blowing. also very fantastic. I, I did read that as well. Um, mm -hmm. I, I, that's, that's on here somewhere as well. I love it. I love but, it. But, um, 
but Will Smith definitely understands the power of the law of attraction mm. and and the quantum field and um, really fascinating guy. How have you applied that? Because you've brought that up a couple of times. You, you, you started with belief, but how have you applied the law of attraction, quantum field? What has that looked like for you? I just really understand that once you decide something and you put the power of your word to your you just have to decide something and then you put that emotion behind it and then the universe lines up to make that happen for you and you have to be really really specific about what that is that you want but once you you match that to the, what the universe um, and your uh, uh, your intention to that and your emotion to it. It just happens for you. It just does. If I could stack on this, I mean, to 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 maybe some people this may sound ridiculous. It may sound woo woo. It may sound out of left field. But the interesting thing is when you dive down into this and you really study it closely, I mean, we're talking about science. We're talking about fact. Um, you know, Newtonian physics is one thing and perhaps has been, um, you know, turned on its head when it comes to quantum physics, which, by the way, Albert Einstein uh, was kind of the original uh, thought provoker on this concept. And as you dive into the science, what you see is that when you place your intention on an outcome, reality coalesces to create that. And it comes down to the atomic level. Like we're talking about atoms, we're talking about electrons that then create matter, which is reality. I mean, like it's crazy, it's mind blowing, but like to your point, what you just described is that's the, the process. It's the belief, it's the intention, it's the crystal clarity. And it's the commitment to that outcome, but science and the universe and all of these amazing things come together to create that. Is there anything that you would add to that? Well, but our thoughts are energy and the universe is energy. And so everything started as a thought. And so, I mean, it's just a matter of it, it, it all has to start as a thought. And so like attracts like, and it's, it, 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 it's, if you understand that that is, if you understand physics, it's actually really just physics. Absolutely. Uh, we could have an entire discussion on this. And to me, this is like the this is the undercurrent of anything that you want in your life is to recognize that it all begins here. It begins here in your mind. It's what do you believe? What are your thoughts? Um, you know, we become what we think about all day long. Uh, that's what Earl Nightingale said. That's what many other wise yeah. human beings across history have said. And you know what? It's become a true fact in my life. It sounds like it has in your life as well. So thank you for bringing that up. Uh, a little bit of a diversion from our rapid fire section, but I think very worthwhile. Rebecca, if you had to point to the biggest way that you elevate your life on a daily basis, what would you say about that? I 
always joke, but not, I'm actually not joking, but I always say that I never leave my thoughts unsupervised. I really am very, very careful now, especially having let a narcissist into my life um, because I let the gates uh, uh, unattended. <laughs> um, you know, you have to be really careful. You really are a product of the top five people mm -hmm. in your life and um, vibrationally. Um, and so you really have to be careful about who you um, allow in your life and, um, and, and, and what you listen to. So, you know, I'm really very vigilant about what I listen to, you know, uh, first thing in the morning, I'm listening to good things, you know, when I'm uh, doing the dishes, when I'm walking the dog, when I'm brushing my teeth, when I'm, you know, when, whenever I have downtime, I'm making sure I'm listening to either good podcasts, good audiobooks, good whatever, um, good good input equals good output. And, and when I'm surrounding myself with people, I make sure that, you know, they're high um, vibrationally as well. Just really, really being vigilant about keeping my vibrational energy as high as possible. When I think about never let your thoughts be unsupervised, it almost seems like what you just described there is almost, you're almost the counselor who's saying, all right, here's what's allowed in here's not here's what is not allowed in that's the first step. But otherwise, perhaps there's another step. It's like once something gets in that you didn't want in, which I'm sure happens, right? It happens to me for sure. How do you supervise that and eradicate or, you know, course correct? I mean, what does that look like from your mindset? Well, I mean, I'm a human being, right? So it happens. And I just have to be aware of it. And you know, one of the things I have to be aware of is going, and I've gotten better about is being aware of, oh, that's just a thought, you know, that's mm -hmm. not, that's not me. That's not me. Exactly. That's just a thought. And, 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 and being able to see it almost like observe it as a thought and go, oh, that's not serving me you know, you're not allowed here. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah, it's separating know. yourself from that. It's saying, oh, that's interesting that you arrived here, but thank you. Goodbye. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Almost like, you know, you get to go to the trash curb, you know, but, you know, it just almost like pivoting and, mm -hmm. and realizing it's not serving me. Easy to describe, more challenging on an ongoing basis in practice. But if 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 the listener can accomplish what you just described, I mean, you want to talk about bringing everything to the next level. It's just unbelievable. So thank you for that. That's that was a phenomenal way to uh, to look at that. But when when you think about the biggest way that you elevate others around you, Rebecca, what would you point to? The biggest way to elevate others around me. Yeah. What's the biggest way that you do that? I, 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 you know, I do try to remember to use my life to, uh, to elevate others around me. You know, I, 
I, I, you know, I used to say when I was litigating all the time that, you know, to be honest with you, like I hated 80% of my day and, and now I love 80% of my day, you know, I mean, do I love doing dishes? Do I love, you know, not always, but, you know, um, but I love what I do most of the time right now. I mean, I really do love that I get to use my life to make a difference for people that I get to, I, I feel so blessed that I, I have like 2 million views a month on YouTube right now, like that people want to hear what I have to say. That's crazy to me. Um, but wow, how grateful am I that what I'm doing is making a difference for so many people. That's amazing. Yeah. And you are absolutely making a tremendous difference. I want to acknowledge you. I mean, this is, first of all, this has been so much fun because um, I'm like, whoa, this, this is really clear now. I can see all these narcissists that have been littered on my path. And I'm sure many of the listeners can see that as well. And it's, it allows me to understand more clarity of why certain people behave the way that they do and what sort of, um, you know, supply that they've been feeding and how that relates to how I can interact with these type of people in the future. And I, I'm sure this is valuable for the listeners when they think about building their empire. It's also, of course, how they can, you know, structure their life and design their life, uh, negotiate their best life. I think that this has just been so valuable. Your expertise is unbelievably valuable. Um, the way that you think about how your mind interacts with not only other people in this capacity, but within your own future. It's just endlessly amazing and valuable. So I just really appreciate you. Um, I want to invite the listeners to um, go check out winmynegotiation.com. That's winmynegotiation.com. You can actually download a free crush my negotiation prep worksheet created by Rebecca directly there. Uh, also, you definitely want to go check out her YouTube channel. We'll put a link in the show notes as to where you can find that she mentioned. I mean, we're talking about 20 plus million views at this point. This is un unbelievable. So uh, we have a very, very valuable individual, um, you know, in many capacities. Of course, we'll put links in the show notes as to where you can find Rebecca across all social media and her website, RebeccaZung.com. Um, but Rebecca, thank you so much. Is there any parting thoughts or words of wisdom that you'd like to share with Elevate Nation today? I just want to say that you and you alone create your value. Um, you know, people will treat you the way that you want to be treated and you get to decide, you know, and so that's the one thing that I want you to remember. I, I you know, there's absolutely nothing that you can't accomplish if you don't remember that. Oh my goodness. There it is. Drop the mic. Rebecca Zung. Uh, thank you so much again for being on Elevate. I look forward to continuing our own personal dialogue and having some fun. Um, but is there anywhere else where the listeners can find you other, other than what I just described? I, the only other thing I would add, I guess, is Instagram, Rebecca Zung. Boom. There it is. I love it. Rebecca Zung. Until next time. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me. Elevate Nation. What a phenomenally valuable discussion with Rebecca Zung. I don't know about you, but I have absolutely identified negotiation as being one of the, if not the most important skill that we can develop as real estate investors, as entrepreneurs, and frankly, as human beings. Um, we're always negotiating, whether we realize it or not. 
And um, even, of course, when we do realize it, and it's completely obvious, that's how you make hundreds of thousands of dollars. That's how you make millions of dollars. That's how you create tremendous value. That's how you accomplish goals. Um, in many ways, it is about negotiation. And we've got to understand who we're dealing with. Uh, not only who we're dealing with as ourselves and how we're showing up in terms of, do we believe that our outcomes are possible? Do we believe in winning? Um, but what is this person doing? Are they exhibiting narcissistic behavior? Are they feeding their own narcissistic supply that, uh, you know, their ego is, is driving? Um, and if so, how do we act in a tough capacity, right? I think it's, look, we're not, it's not good or bad, but I will say that, you know, if we allow ourselves to be taken advantage of by these type of people, we're never going to get to where we want to go. And there are people out there and there are amazing people out there that are people pleasers. And even in the face of a person who is a narcissist, who is taking advantage of other people, and they know that they allow that to continue. And I can say that if you're in that position, I want to invite you to no longer allow yourself to be taken advantage of. Um, if you're going to elevate to a life without limits, if you're going to create freedom in your finances, in your time, in your location, in the way that you spend your days, then you've got to be tough. And ultimately, um, what we're talking about today is about stepping up from a strategic standpoint, from a tactical standpoint on being tougher in a negotiation, in an interaction um, with someone else so that you can win so that you can create amazing things. And I think this comes from people who, you know, if you're listening to the show, you're probably somebody who wants to do things for the right reason. You want to build an empire for the right reason. And it's not hopefully to, uh, to feed your own ego. If that is, I mean, we've got to be aware we all have an ego, right? And so is that what's pushing us or is it something, um, more inspirational and, and you know, what, what I think Rebecca shared there at the end in terms of, the quantum field and all that kind of stuff. I would invite you to really dive a little bit deeper into that. I mean, that's been a game changer for me. It's been a game changer for um, how I've been able to interact with my goals and, you know, the vision that I'm creating in my life and some things that have happened um, as a result of that clear intention, that elevated emotion um, and that commitment to that outcome has been unbelievably surprising. It's been unbelievably exciting and it's been very validating and something that I would invite you to engage in yourself. But the first step is really understanding a little bit more about that. Uh, if you're anything like me, it's like, all right, yeah, show me, show me the, uh, show me the reasons, show me the supporting data. And so if you're the person that needs that, go and do your own research. I mean, some of the stuff that I've done is, uh, I've dove into, um, Dr. Uh, Joe Dispenza and some of his work, um, Rebecca talked about Gary Zukoff. Um, so, you know, whatever direction you want to go on that, go ahead and do that. But understand the principles. Ultimately, it's about creating things in a more effortless capacity. Everything does not have to be tremendously hard. Of course, hard work, dedication, commitment is required, um, especially in a, you know, heel digging negotiation, but also just in a general sense of developing and strengthening a real estate empire, developing and strengthening a life that has no limits. But what we're talking about here is going from a higher level, swimming upstream or going upstream um, to do things in an easier way, in a bigger way, a more exponential way than you've ever imagined. 
And uh, this is tremendously valuable stuff. I want to encourage you to re-listen to the show. There's so much here um, when it comes to tactics, when it comes to strategies, when it comes to identification approaches, when it comes to understanding who you're dealing with, whether it's someone who wants to be a business partner, whether it's someone who you're negotiating across the table with, uh, whether it's someone who wants to come into your personal life, we have to understand who we're dealing with. We have to get tougher. Today is all about that. I want to encourage you to discuss this with a friend. Who is it that you have seen in your past um, that have exhibited the, the behaviors that Rebecca shared in terms of a narcissist? What could you have done better? You know, let's take a little bit of a, a inventory of what we could do better and, and improve for the future. Take a step back. Uh, have that discussion with a friend. I also want to encourage you to identify your top three distinctions, whether it's tactics, strategies, um, anything that came to mind in terms of your own interactions currently, previously, or something that you're anticipating. Maybe it's, hey, you know what? I'm in a negotiation right now and I just realized that this person is a narcissist. So how can I bring leverage back into my camp? You know, and and um, we talked about some of that stuff. So maybe that's a distinction. Maybe your distinction has to do with the quantum field or belief in winning. The belief in winning is, you know, the most important part. I'm just bringing up some examples to trigger your thought process. So the most important part is to identify those distinctions because that's how we can now make a plan to take action. I want to encourage you to take massive action, whether that's putting something on the calendar, whether that's having a discussion changing the way that you behave. That is a, an action step. So with all that said, Elevate Nation, I hope you enjoyed this half as much as I did. Thank you so much for tuning in and we will see you next time. Thank you for listening to Elevate. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to rate, review, subscribe, and pay it forward by sharing with a friend. Most importantly, take this opportunity to elevate your results by taking immediate action on what you learned. For more, visit elevatepod.com.